Innes Forgettance is a folk fantasy podcast set in an alternate Appalachia and faraway Celtic fort. You can help support me and this story by sharing it with your friends, posting on social media, or by clicking the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I'm glad you joined me this week, and stay safe out there in the woods. Previously on the Innis Forgettance, back in Inniscombe, a heartfelt talk with Great Aunt Nula gives Porter courage to engage with townsfolk at the corn shuckin'. But when he takes a bold step to ask a girl to dance, he draws the attention of everyone, and not in a good way. The girl dashes away in terror. Humiliated, Porter grabs a lantern and charges up the road. Colleen in Inniscombe. Porter Hollis thought all it'd take to change his luck was a red ear of corn. Floy spoke under her breath to no one in particular and clicked her tongue. Anger boiled inside Colleen, but she directed it into her shucking, jerking the husks away and ripping them from the corn. A couple of seats down, Lissy leaned toward her sister. I have to say, even with the lantern circle, I do feel a little safer with him gone before sunset. Colleen caught Bethany's gaze just as Bethany opened her mouth to respond. Surely you must feel it too, Colleen. Honestly, I don't know how you handle it. It's like a Paul comes and goes when he does. Colleen squared her shoulders. Funny, I feel the same way about you. But no darned lantern circle seems to keep you away. Bethany and Lissy gasped. Floy stifled a smirk. Colleen stood, chucking the corn in her hand back onto the pile and marched toward the cabin. The musicians stared, holding their instruments as though someone had just thrust squawking newborns into their arms. Colleen held her chin higher and looked over her shoulder at Will Seeley, who gaped as she hurried to the other end of the breezeway down the steps to stand at the back of the cabin alone. The descending sun saturated the colors of the mountain into striations in shades of bronze, ink, and moss. The dark groove of their road curved, disappeared, and reappeared again, almost halfway up the North Mountain. Finally, it ended beside a brassy patch of land that looked like a scrape that was trying to heal. Home. Her brow tightened into a bitter furrow. Giggling sounded from the cabin behind her. Colleen edged to the border of the lantern circle next to a bucket of water for emergencies and listened to the excited shrieks of the children inside. A candy pullin. She could remember being a part of one or two years ago when she was more accepted, 
Before the other children began listening to their parents' gossip, Great Aunt Nula and Miss Rose, their hair just beginning to whiten back then, cooked a bowl or two of maple syrup, sprinkling it with soda until it began to thicken, and passed the children a dish of lard. Colleen and the other kids would dip their hands in, squishing it between their fingers, and then they'd pair up, one boy and one girl, and scoop a handful of hardening maple syrup, pulling and twisting it between them until it hardened into shapes like sticks, canes, wreaths, and all manner of swirls and blobs. With browned, greasy hands, they'd take their candy creations and follow the old women out to sit, with lanterns, of course, and not before it got entirely dark, and suck on their candy. They let it drip down their chins, flexing their fingers to feel the webs of stringy stickiness break between them, and they listened intently to stories. Stories about how to be good children, and listen to your elders, and not question authority or the way things were done. Stories that, sometimes, seemed as tangled and sticky and formless as the candy they'd pulled, forced into a shape that was just a little off, a little wrong. Once, and only once, Colleen had asked about the never seen. Aunt Nula, who was always a lively, dramatic storyteller, grew very still, and for the only time in Colleen's life, the old woman looked truly scared. She told her then that to speak of darkness was to invite it into your life. Colleen never asked about the never seen again, but she never forgot that night either. Footsteps crunched to her left. Will Seeley and Tad made their way around the circle. Will made the most of his height by reaching the lanterns and lighting them, and Tad put his stockiness to good use by hoisting a large bucket of water and wetting the ground underneath each light. Two lights away from Colleen, Tad emptied his bucket. He cursed. Could have sworn I'd be able to finish up that time. All the way back to the well, just for two more lights? Ah. I'll skip him. Don't you dare. Will replaced the glass cover on a lantern. You're tempting fate. That'll be the one that falls over somehow, sets the whole place ablaze. Fine, fine. Tad lumbered off, swinging the wooden bucket. Will moved to the last lantern before spotting Colleen. Oh, hey there. His eyes glittered like coal. Shaggy black curls framed his face. Colleen nodded, choosing to ignore the heat that flashed in her cheeks as he looked at her, but his eyes fell to the bucket near her feet. Oh, there was water here all along? Why didn't you speak up? She smirked and shrugged. Tad's lazy. Figured he needed to work a little more. Will laughed. Ain't that the truth? He reached up and scratched his head as if unsure or uncomfortable in her presence. She rolled her eyes. I better get back in. Wait, he said. She crossed her arms and waited for him to speak again. Is your brother all right? How do you think he is? She snapped. Will bent his head. All right, then. Sorry. She scraped a curve in the dirt with her shoe. It just gets old, you know? Haven't everyone treat us like... We're not cursed. 
You're not? No. They want us, is all. I think. Her eyes flitted up to his to gauge his reaction. They... He tested. They, Colleen said again. Images from her nightmares flashed in her imagination. Emaciated, ghastly, pale beings, painted with dark spirals, teeth pointed like fangs. One in particular stood out from the rest, as though it was from him that all others originated. That one haunted her relentlessly. Something about wanting a body, wanting a doorway, wanting a young woman named Finny. She shut her eyes hard, willing them out of her mind. Them, she repeated. Never seen. I think they want us, is all. Will's thick eyebrows narrowed as if he was struggling to grasp what she'd said. Maybe if everyone helped us instead of running away, maybe then we could shoo them off. She looked out into the pumpkin orange light, almost forgetting that she was talking to another person. I live in that cabin. I swear they don't live there, too. But it's like they circle us, trying to smoke us out, or... The weight of confusion suddenly dropped on her, and she blustered a sigh. I don't know what the truth of the matter is. Shaking her head, she turned to look at Will. We all feel the pressure, but no one so much as Porter. So no, he's not all right. Will bit his lip. But you didn't chase after him because... Because I can't decide which is worse for him, to be here or there. He nodded, opened his mouth, then shut it. What? You think there's anything you can ask me that I haven't already heard about? There's nothing Bethany and Lissy Ferguson love more than letting someone overhear their slander. They like that better than they like sneaking Verna Edwards' homemade muscadine wine. Go on, ask me. They didn't... take your mama? He raked his fingers through his hair and didn't look at her. He seemed to shrink in her presence. For a moment, the idea that he'd ever given her butterflies seemed unbelievable. She let her face curl in disgust. My mama is not possessed by a never-seen, if that's what you're trying to say. I'm not, I just... He held his hands up. No one will tell me what happens if... If it happens. Well, I'm not the one to tell you. There is no never-seen living under my roof, I swear it will, Seely. A shy smile crept across his face, and she couldn't help but offer a half-smirk back. But her defenses rose again when he took another long breath. But you say she's not cursed. I don't... I don't understand. Curse, pressure, corner... I don't know what they want with her. But she's not putting up much of a fight now, is she? Her voice sounded like a rusty gate, even to her own ears. Will's eyes flicked up at her. Don't look at me like that. Guilt swelled in her chest, but she straightened. My mama left us hanging to dry while the never-seen haunt us, and the town plays fickle friends. I shouldn't have to apologize for the way I feel. I'm sorry, he said. It must be tough. I didn't mean to upset you, all right? I, I just want to understand. 
I don't think anyone quite does. No one will say. But you have a reputation for... He stopped, raised his eyebrows, and grinned. Well, speak in your mind is all. Colleen smiled despite herself, her shoulders relaxed. If the never seen moved into someone, I promise you that person wouldn't be trapped inside all the time helpless. That person would be out doing their bidding, working hard. Folk got it all wrong if they think they should be afraid of my mama. Will's eyes lit up with another question, but they both turned at the sound of heavy footsteps. Tad waddled up to them, dumping a full bucket of water under the last section of the lantern circle. There, he heaved. Happy? Good man, said Will. Shrieks erupted from the direction of the shucking ridge. Will and Tad turned just as a corn cob flew in front of them, narrowly missing one of the lantern poles. Together they all hurried to the front outer corner of the cabin. Shuckers hawked corn cobs at each other, shouting and laughing. Davy held Floy by the hand, leading her in a tipsy jig on top of the shucking ridge, or what remained of it. Tad bowled over laughing. Will grinned and clamped a hand on his shoulder to steady him. They got to the corn liquor after all, Tad wheezed through laughter. And on empty stomachs before supper. Davy let go of Floy's hand and cupped his mouth. Tad, get over here before I get pummeled by these shuck demons. Below him, someone smacked his feet with corn cobs, beating his shoes like drums. Davy kicked at them, chortling. Get off, you godforsaken corn liquored. You drunk? You forgot what insult you were gonna say, didn't you? Davy giggled and bent to pick up armfuls of corn cobs, tossing them at people below. Tad jerked Will by the arm and the two ran off to join the shucking fight. Colleen smiled to herself but returned to the back of the cabin. Pa stood rigid, hands on his hips at the bottom of the steps. You let Porter go and you didn't even tell me? His lips barely moved under his ruddy beard, but his dark gray eyes bored into her. Colleen slumped and met her father at the steps. He took a light, Pa. He's probably home by now. That damned light's not all that concerns me. He's my son. He's your brother. What'd they say to him? She opened her mouth to answer, but high-pitched giggling and singing resounded from the cabin behind them. Children skipped out, licking their candy creations with Aunt Nula coming out at last. Never mind, said Pa. Aunt Nula's done with the candy pull. The women are about to set out dinner. Eat, then we're going home. He jerked his head toward the front of the cabin. Go on. The Innis Forgettance was written, narrated, and produced by me, Leah Noel, with special appearance by David Walker. The original song, Beware the Never Seen, was written, composed, and performed by Georgia musicians Miles Landrum and Lorelei. You can find links to more of their excellent music in the show notes. Sound effects came from the kind folks at freesound.org. 
You can follow this podcast with behind the scenes and more on Instagram and TikTok at Leah with a pen. Ooh.